Hello and welcome to the Professional Motor Mechanic Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Nee, editor of Professional Motor Mechanic magazine. The November issue of PMM is available at your local factor, so why not pop down there and pick up a free copy? This month, we have some great technical articles from Castrol, Varta, FAG and Ecobat, plus plenty more. The average new car has over 100 sensors, 100 electrical components and as many as 1400 semiconductor chips. Modern cars provide a level of comfort, security and efficiency that previous car makers could only have dreamed of. The catch? Each of these components is one more thing which can fail. And when they do, finding out where the issue is, what's failed and why, can be a truly Herculean task. This is where diagnostics comes into play. In this episode, we'll be exploring what diagnostic equipment is on offer to UK workshops to help them discover exactly why those components failed. We'll also catch up with our headline sponsor for this episode, Pico Technology. I think I'd call it the Swiss army knife of diagnostics. You'll hear from our news and product editor, Freya Coleman, who will give a rundown of the latest aftermarket news. We'll also catch up with PMF editor Tom Henman as he visits the latest branch of Car Spares Factors to find out what challenges motor factors are facing. This is our fourth day of trading. If we carry on at the rate we're going in terms of the sales we're doing, we will probably break even at the end of the month. Right, without further ado, let's head over to Freya and see what news she has for us this month. Kieran, and hello to all our listeners. I'm Freya Coleman, PMM's News and Products Editor. Now, let's get straight into the news. The data access deadlock may be set to come to an end. The Competition and Markets Authority has written to the Secretary of State with recommendations to introduce UK-specific block exemption regulations. The regulations help ensure fair access to vehicle repair data. The current regulations, which are set to expire at the end of May, set out automatic exemptions related to the purchase, sale and resale of spare parts for motor vehicles. The recommendation is that the proposed regulations be in place until 2029 and should be tailored to meet the needs of UK businesses and consumers. UK AFCAR, the group set up to lobby government on the issue, has said this is the beginning of a long journey to ensure consumer choice and the aftermarket is protected. New training event launched for technicians. OESA, the organisation which shares OE suppliers' expertise and resources with the aftermarket, has launched a series of free events. OESA Academy Live will tour the UK at IMI-approved colleges in collaboration with their members, with the aim of strengthening the skills of today's technicians and supporting education for the next generation. Technicians are invited to attend on the 13th and 14th of January at Lincoln College and the 24th and 25th of February at Castleford College. More dates will be confirmed. Turnock's treats up for grabs this winter. Available with purchases of UASA and GS branded batteries from participating distributors across the UK and Ireland, the ongoing promotion will see vehicle technicians receive a free pack of Tunnock Snowballs with their battery purchases over winter. Workshops are being encouraged to use the unique code contained within each promotional pack for their chance to win extra prizes. The top prizes include a smartwatch and a racing experience at Knockhill. 
Now, let's just take a brief look at what else is going on in the industry. Compared to 2021, the cost of vehicle repairs in the first half of 2022 rose by a third, according to Intelligent Motoring. In its latest annual report, the DVSA is redoubling its efforts on tackling MOT fraud, even going as far as trialling the use of cameras in the test. Salaries for new vehicle technicians have increased by 5.5% in the past six months. However, the rate of inflation year on year currently stands at 10%. And that's the news from PMM this month. And so I'll hand you back to Kieran. Diagnostics. Some people love it, some people hate it. To your customers, it's as simple as plugging in a computer and letting it do the job for you. If only it was that simple. We're going to take a look at the latest tools on the market, as well as how the technology is evolving and what effect will EVs have on the diagnostic process. But first, we're going to go and have a chat with Steve Smith, Automotive Application Specialist at Pico Technology, headline sponsors of this month's episode. Could you tell listeners what role does the PicoScope play within diagnostics? Yes, uh, it's an essential role. I think I'd call it the Swiss army knife of diagnostics when it comes to um, workshop diagnosis or diagnosis of any fashion, um, whether that be something like uh, vibration analysis or an engine running problem, maybe something not automotive related, um, anything that is controlled, anything that requires management systems, uh, that's where the PicoScope comes in. Would you say then that a more precise diagnostic process can save a workshop money, time and money? Absolutely, without doubt. There, there has to be a, a logical approach. Um, Picoscope sort of fits into a, a plan, if you like, of where you, you start off initially with your customer interview and then you'll go through to your scan tool and gather data. System knowledge and training, that's essential. That's prior to applying your Picoscope. But then comes the point where Picoscope is applied again in that non-intrusive fashion to obtain the data. Using this logical and disciplined approach will result in success. And it's not easy to keep this discipline. It really isn't. You know, you think you're onto something sometimes and you can go off in a tangent. So why, why should our listeners use Pico in particular? It's a proven product. There's no doubt about that. It's, uh, it goes beyond just Pico. It, it's what's behind Pico, the Pico support, the hours that we spend providing information for our customers, you know, our forum, our website, our YouTube channel. Uh, we want to ensure that when you commit to purchasing an oscilloscope, whichever brand you do buy, that certainly when you buy Pico, you'll know that you're not alone. You will have support throughout. I imagine there's a lot of research and development that goes into the PicoScope. Yeah, it's continual. And we rely on feedback as well. Feedback is essential from our customers because PicoScope 7, which is our new software, that has pretty much been developed in conjunction with feedback from our customers. So we, we've tried something, it, it hasn't been received that well. We change it, we modify it, or we introduce something that is uh, completely new and, and it's met with you know excellent feedback. So... Yeah, here in the UK, we have the hardware and the software teams working relentlessly to improve the product and develop the software. The best way to purchase a, a PicoScope is in a kit, in kit form, because that will come with all the accessories relevant to your application. So you may want to start with perhaps a, something like a four-channel standard kit. That will include uh, current clamps, the probes, breakouts if applicable, fuses, back pinning, uh, adapters, clips, these kind of things. But um, 
accessory wise i mean the sky's the limit depending on your application so you could perhaps start small uh, with a stand with a starter kit sorry and then move on to um, purchasing accessories that are typical for example if you are always looking at engine work you are an assessor of, uh, of engine control or um, engine performance you may choose a pressure transducer that may be something that's relevant for you so what, what kind of training or support do you offer to workshops out there? So if you go to picoauto.com and then search for training, uh, support here is, is second to none. Um, myself and my colleagues, we are dedicated to supporting technicians and users of the oscilloscope because it's important that when you purchase this device that you, you have help along the way. You know, we have our, our forum again, of course, um, YouTube, and we have support at picotech.com, which is our support line. And that's open to anyone. I mean, even if you are scope curious and you don't have a scope, but you're thinking about possibly purchasing a scope, um, yeah, the support line is there to answer those questions. So we've got an app for um, Apple, of course, and Google Play. That is great. That lists where to start, what to do, how to succeed, and that includes animations as well. So it takes you from complete beginner all the way through to advanced, and that's right on your phone. So, yeah, wherever you are, um, Pico is close by. Picoscope 7 Automotive Software is free to download from our website, picoauto.com. And when we talk about how to succeed, that, that has got to be the first port of call because you don't need a Picoscope to run that software. So you can download, you can open the guided tests, you can see exactly how you would connect the scope. And then we have example waveforms in there as well. So you can start zooming and taking measurements, adding rulers, looking at phase measurements, uh, adding reference waveforms. So there's so much you can do within there. Now, Today marks a special occasion as we have received our first ever podcast-related question from a listener. Listener Hope has been in contact to ask. Hi, Kieran. I'm new to your podcast and I have a question I'm sure you will have the answer for. What is the best diagnostic software to use for vehicles in the PSA group? Hi, Hope. Thanks for getting in touch. Unfortunately, I can't provide you with a simple answer because, well, it's not a simple issue. Hope's issue is that not all aftermarket diagnostic tools provide access to the same vehicles. In fact, Hope also mentioned in her question that she is looking for a more economically viable option for a small local workshop, which I think we can take to mean that she's ruling out OE diagnostic software. At this point, many of you who are wedded to a particular brand or group of brands will say, don't bother. There are, however, many aftermarket options still out there with varying degrees of capability. Many of these tools can incorporate remote diagnostics too, where you essentially piggyback off the provider's access to OE software. There are a range of brands out there, some of which we will be discussing in this feature, so my advice is keep listening and afterwards have a look around, find out the exact capabilities of each tool, and also I mean, have a think about what you really need. If you have a lot of PSA group cars coming through, then maybe think about going for the OE tool. If you don't need to do much diagnostics work, maybe then try a more generic option. And if you haven't already, Hope, listen to last month's episode on access to data. I had a chat with UK AFCAR's Neil Patamore about why the situation for diagnostics is getting more and more difficult. Moving on, and as something of an antidote to last month's discussion of the restrictions being placed on diagnostics, 
I thought I'd explore the world of possibilities presented by diagnostics in this episode. It's incredible what is available and where the market is going these days. I won't lie, when it comes to diagnostics, I'm no expert. It's a term whose meaning seems to slip away from me every time I think I have it grasped. For a long time, I focused too much on diagnostics as simply a selection of ports, tablets, computers, cables trailing out of cars, various scopes and meters. In the end, one of our regular contributors helpfully set me straight, making me think of diagnostics as less a procedure or a selection of tools and rather as a concept. The fault codes, he told me, presented on a vehicle's OBD aren't a list of problems, but rather a list of symptoms. And diagnostics is the entire process by which you eliminate potential causes of the problem until you hit upon the real cause. Bingo, I thought. That's something I can understand. It's a bit like Poirot or my personal favourite Montalbano solving a crime using the evidence available, only slightly less exotic and usually in a garage with a frustrated customer asking why they're being charged for a scam. And so, armed with my rudimentary understanding of diagnostics, I set out to find out the latest developments and who better to ask than the leading suppliers of diagnostic equipment. Firstly, I wanted to get an idea of what might be considered essential equipment for the workshop when it comes to diagnostics. Maverick Diagnostics Managing Director Andy Brook took me right back to basics with this one, pointing out that First on the equipment list is actually a decent workshop IT system and internet access. This is fast becoming the single largest problem reported by our support team around the world. A good point, which many have neglected in the past. Once you've got the Wi-Fi up and running, however, it's time to turn to a decent tool. But where to begin? Sealy suggests a multi-manufacturer diagnostic tool such as the V-Scan Pro, describing it as an essential piece of equipment for everyday workshop requirements. Let's take a look at what makes it so essential. The software within the unit allows the user to read and clear fault codes, read live data, carry out component actuation tests, ECU and key coding, TPMS and more. I asked Heller's Head of Business Development, Neil Hilton, and Alltel's Director, Kevin Brown, who both went one step further with their list of essentials, with both including ADAS capability as an essential weapon in the modern diagnostics arsenal. Of course, connecting up your diagnostic tool won't achieve much if you're not supporting the battery, and failure to do so could end in disaster. Andy from Maverick stressed that Battery support over 100 amps is essential for any type of serious diagnostic work. Some vehicle manufacturers just require battery support just for a quick check or a service reset. Impact Diagnostics Director Alex Gilbanks agrees with this. Battery support units are one of the most underused products out there. There's a lot of people that try doing in-depth diagnostics without having a stable voltage supply on the vehicle, where obviously some systems will start to shut down if the vehicle voltage isn't current. And also there's a lot of people that don't use a strong enough smoke machine. So they bought a smoke machine in the past, but it only does like one or two PSI. When a lot of the modern smoke machines will do up to 16 PSI, which obviously will help find leaks under load where the smaller ones won't. Smoke machines? I confess that was a new one on me. I was intrigued. Funnily enough, Sealy have a new range coming out, so evidently they're a popular workshop addition. On the topic of new products being launched, Sealy aren't the only ones. I asked around to find out what new products we can expect to see on shelves over the coming months. 
From Mortel, there will soon be an EV bolt-on module, which will offer technicians the ability to test EV battery cells. Meanwhile, Delphi promised a new tablet in the end of 2022, whilst continuing to expand our security gateway coverage, which grants technicians access to latest OEM diagnostics through an easy-to-use portal. Eschewing the trend developing for the all-in-one approach to diagnostic tools, Maverick is currently developing a new range of budgets one make pass through diagnostic dongles individually tailored to suit the one make specialist who wants to dip their toes into the world of dealer diagnostic tools although pastoral will never give you 100 percent of the functionality of the original dealer tool these dongles have been specifically chosen and tested by ourselves to give us as near possible coverage not everyone however is confident about the future for pass-through technology indeed alex from impact diagnostics says he is i'm skeptical about pass-through tools arguing that the hassle of having to join a manufacturer websites a lot of them make you jump massively through hoops and some of them almost a job on their own to actually complete that task and it's almost a service on its own to have to maintain your own pcs to do it it is the cost no doubt which will be the deciding factor for many workshops unsure of whether to take the plunge on an oem tool or not simpler tools such as obd readers are what Sealy and delphi both point to when asked what technologies they feel are becoming obsolete Delphi's UK marketing manager, Julian Golding, lamented. There are more and more components that now need calibrating when they're replaced on the vehicle. This can be simple things like air filters, wiper blades, composition sensors and many other parts. Basic OBD readers don't have the capability to reprogram these back onto the vehicle and for that reason they're now becoming obsolete. The team at Sealy agree. Due to the nature of advancing vehicle technology, more in-depth test equipment is needed. So what else are workshops no longer investing in? Andy from Maverick revealed, Our sales of oscilloscopes have definitely dropped over the last few years. The uptake of oscilloscope courses actually show this. We find simple comparative testing and component testing is no longer being used to find out diagnostic faults correctly. I worry that technicians are being de-skilled by the use of fully guided diagnostics. Technicians seem to only want to reprogram modules to fix a fault rather than go back to basics and carry out any other tests using a oscilloscope or a multimeter. Kevin from Ortel had a similar issue. I'm not sure we want to disregard the knowledge, techniques, or the technology that technicians have. That's not a helpful path because they never know what vehicles are going to come through their door. Surely it's a matter of building on the knowledge that they already have. Whilst older technologies may still retain their usefulness, What is undeniable is that new developments at the level of vehicle manufacturer are coming through thick and fast. So how will diagnostics develop over the next five years? ADAS was the answer for many, with Seedy going into detail. Vehicle and pedestrian safety are becoming more prevalent in car design and development. Diagnostic equipment will pivot towards ADAS applications such as pedestrian detection, lane departure correction and traffic sign recognition. Bound up with ADAS and this increased pressure on safety is cybersecurity and retaining control over who gets to tinker with a vehicle. Basically, VMs want the final say over who gets access to a vehicle's data and who gets to provide that access. And they're using cybersecurity, whether rightly or wrongly, as their excuse. Naturally, this dominates much of the answers given. Andy Brook answers that a line in the sand has been drawn by vehicle manufacturers to the aftermarket tool manufacturers. Functionality is being strictly controlled to over-the-air updates, allowing vehicle manufacturers to have total control over the vehicle's future updates. 
taking away work from the aftermarket. This is still at the debate stage for the next rounds of block exemption. One solution to this is proposed in the form of remote access diagnostics, as, in the words of Impact's Alex Gilbanks, You plug it into the vehicle and you can use it as an everyday scan tool and then you can phone a friend or it's like a technician in the drawer where you can actually pick it up and you can get you out of trouble basically and you can get the job done without the need to join the manufacturer. Julian from Delphi agrees, arguing Ongoing training and technical support are vital tools to enable technicians to service and repair modern vehicles. My understanding was that the ultimate aim of all these sensors and onboard computers and complicated bits of software was to reduce emissions as much as possible. If a vehicle has no direct emissions, like an EV, surely there would be no need for the whole diagnostic process. So does e-mobility signal the death knell for diagnostics? Well, it was Neil from Heller who summed it up most succinctly. Definitely not. Needless to say, everyone agreed with Neil. And Seeley went even further in proving me wrong, pointing out, Given the innovation being put into electric vehicles, diagnostic equipment will play an even greater role in fault detection. Many engine management related sensors will cease to be used, but more advanced sensors will be needed to control high voltage battery systems and charging and more advanced drive systems as vehicle technology naturally develops. So, in short, as long as cars are being made, they will have faults. And as long as cars have faults, workshops will need to call upon diagnostic equipment to diagnose those faults. Phew. I learnt a lot, actually, putting that together. It was great to see how everyone answered my questions completely differently, except for when it came to the future of diagnostics with electric vehicles. Then it was just a chorus of voices all telling me I was crazy, which is something I get a lot, to be fair. Hey, Kieran. I just wanted to interrupt for a moment with a message from our sponsor, Cortico. Cortico, as an affiliate of the Freudenberg Group, enables the independent automotive aftermarket to benefit from OE expertise. Cortico has manufacturing plants and distribution centres in over 15 different countries, but through the Freudenberg Group reaches customers in 60 countries around the world. The group's decades of know-how are unparalleled worldwide. With every technological change in the automotive industry, Freudenberg has been there. After all, the future will be driven ever faster by new drive forms. As the world's leading industry expert with a long-standing and holistic understanding of mobility, Freudenberg faces up to its responsibility to provide customers with customised products and solutions for a wide range of components in electric vehicles and fuel cell-based vehicles. Thermal management and pressure management are currently important topics on the agenda for Freudenberg sealing technologies. The results are heat shields specially developed for lithium-ion battery systems, for example. When cells malfunction, they prevent the heat from leaping over the neighbouring cells. Diavent has proven itself as an intelligent pressure management solution for large batteries in electric and hybrid vehicles. The patented non-wovens they contain reliably ensure bidirectional pressure compensation even under extreme conditions. For example, in order to generate energy effectively in fuel cell vehicles, the firm offers special sealing solutions for fuel cell stacks. Now that's enough diagnostics for one podcast. Let's go over to Tom on PMF, who will be taking us briefly down memory lane before visiting a new factor. Hi everyone, it's great to be back. And breaking news, 
As I prepare my script for this month's PMF segment, I've just seen the news that Ford is set to cease the production of the lovable Fiesta. Like many of you, I suspect, my first car was a Fiesta, an X-Reg, which I think is a 2000 plate. I remember several things about it. It was not just a 1.25, but a 1.25 ZTEC. It had a bright white instrument cluster. I ran out of fuel about a mile from a fuel station on the outskirts of Bedford, but more embarrassing, I crashed it on my parents' driveway. If you had one or still do, in fact, perhaps you can share your stories of your beloved Fiesta. Obviously, the last few months have been stormy from a government standpoint. It says a lot when those in power admit that themselves. I sincerely hope in-house squabbling will come to an end quickly and focus can return to the general public and businesses, being there to support us all during these daunting times. I went to visit Carsbez Factors nearest branch back in September. The Waltham Abbey Depot had only been open four days, and I could tell. One side of the room was a member of staff trying to open and organise the contents of large cardboard boxes, ready to fill the newly installed mezzanine floor while others were manning phones that were constantly ringing. I almost felt guilty for pinching an hour of Sanjeev Shah's time, because like when anyone moves house, there's little room or time for distractions. However, he was the perfect host and interviewee. Sandwiched in an office away from the chaos, I wanted to know, particularly in light of the well-documented pressures on businesses, whether opening a new branch was actually a gamble. Yes, it is a gamble. This is our fourth day of trading. If we carry on at the rate we're going in terms of the sales we're doing, we will probably break even at the end of the month, which is um, astonishing. Would that be a record for you guys? Yes, because normally it takes at least anywhere between three and six months to get a branch really going and to get it um, up and running. At the moment, we've probably got about 10 to 12 garages ordering regularly from this depot, but we've actually got, within within the three and a half, four mile radius, there's close to 120 garages, so, as they start coming on board one by one, the branch is only going to get busier and busier. Sanjeev hasn't confirmed if CSF did break even, but I'll try and find out in time for the next pod. I also discovered how CSF works alongside technicians to bolster their education, particularly as EVs trickle into the aftermarket, and what approach the factor takes to stocking EV parts. We are currently running EV courses for our garages, and we run one course a month for up to seven uh, mechanics to come in uh, to do a training course to become level two and three um, qualified and that's done through the IMI so once they've done the course and they've passed they will be level two and three qualified to work on EV vehicles um, in terms of stock at the end of the day EV parts are still new in terms of I think as factors we're all learning about what is it that's going to go wrong and what do we need to have on our shelves. For example, we've already started putting uh, wishbones on the shelf for Teslas because we've been selling them. And as soon as we sold our first pair, we said, right, let's keep one pair on the shelf. Since then, we've been selling them. So it's a case of learning. I've actually bought an EV vehicle to drive for the next three years to see what's going to go wrong with it, what parts am I going to need, and, um, you know, there's still filters on the car. There's more filters on an EV vehicle than there is on a normal vehicle. Um, you know, you've got all the brake filters. You've got the dust cabin filters. You've got... So there's still steering suspension on there. Um, there's still track rod ends and shock absorbers and all sorts. So it's a case of just as our suppliers learn about it and release products to market, we will evolve with it. And we've done that. We've been around since 77 and we've kind of evolved with the industry 
in all the years. Um, you know, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have had a flywheel on the shelf. Now at every depot, we've probably got 25, 30 flywheels on each, in each branch. With the opening of a sixth branch, is Sanjeev happy with half a dozen? We've got a plan in place. Um, we've got a five-year plan. And at the end of the five years, there's a, another five-year plan. Um, being in London, it's difficult opening factors, as you can imagine, like you were saying, with the costs, with the overheads, whether you're buying or whether you're renting, um, what you can get up north in a building like this, you're probably going to pay eight, nine pound a square foot. In London, you're paying 19, 20 pound a square foot. So our margins, um, you know, I wouldn't say they're much, much more. Yes, you have dense areas where there's, there's a lot of garages within certain pockets of these areas. And if you find the right location like this, where there's such a density of good garages and you provide the service, you keep to your promise of making sure that you provide the service. You offer a no quibble return service on all stock items. You make sure that the deliveries are all on time and you communicate. The most important thing is to communicate with the garage. They will, all they want to know is when am I getting my parts? And my guys, we stress it to them day in, day out, not just to the sales guys, but to the guys dealing with dispatch. There may be a problem with an interbranch van running late. Let the garage know. If you speak to them and communicate and they're aware of what's going on, they'll appreciate it rather than not delivering on time and then it turning up two hours later and they're fed up. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Sanjeev Shah. Kieran, back to you. Ah, the Ford Fiesta. My first car was a 1.2 litre V-plate Fiesta gear purchased for the princely sum of £400 from my mate, with the CD player included because neither of us could get it out. Good times. That's all, folks, for this episode. A big thank you to all our guests and to our producer, Charles, for putting everything together. Join me next month when I'll be taking a look at what workshops need to do to deal with modern vehicles, including those electric ones we're starting to see around the place. We'll also be taking you to our mechanics show. See you then.